0: So today, we're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of wise investing. So we love to collect things. We humans love to collect things. You have a collection of something in your house. Most USA homes are compared to most places in the world. We just have so much stuff. a matter of fact, we build sheds to store our stuff. We build shelves because we don't have enough space to throw more of our stuff. We have garage sales and then we buy more stuff. We're a nation of collectors but we're not the first nation or society to be collectors or gatherers. You need to plan for the future. That's wise as a matter of fact Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 6 he told us to look at the ant and to to study the ant because the ants uh, collect stuff they store when it's harvest time for future times of famine so it's good God wants us to think about planning ahead to have enough retirement is in front of me very near I don't know much about financial planning. So I have to hire someone who I trust, who has integrity to guide my thinking. And they've been a great help. But you know, financial advisors can't control the world markets. They can only give me promises. But Jesus, he knows what's ahead. He's in control of that by the way he knows all about the future so he's giving us counsel this morning in the book of Luke of how to invest wisely for eternity not only investing wisely in this life but for all eternity so Jesus is giving wise instructions here to his disciples. He's addressing everyone, but he's especially talking to you and me if we're followers of Christ. Consider carefully what Jesus is saying because who he is. He's God and he's your savior and he's sh- your shepherd. So listen To what Jesus is telling us about investing in his kingdom for all eternity. We would be wise to listen. These are soul lessons for his disciples. A couple, well I think it was three weeks ago we talked about being where be being beware of hypocrisy, I'll get it out, and to fear God not to fear death. Today we're going to talk about don't be greedy but be rich toward God. Don't be anxious, but do invest in God's kingdom. Next week, by the way, Cyrus is gonna be talking about being ready to meet Jesus and what that means for life now. The do's and don'ts of wise investing, (laughs) excuse me. Could somebody get me a bottle of water? I know I'm going to need it. Thank you. (laughs) I forgot to get it. Don't be greedy. Thank you, Glenn. Let me take a sip or two. (sighs) I had to do that. Don't be greedy. let's reread that parable that Christine read someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance to me so that occasion led Jesus to tell this parable Did you notice it when Christine read it? I kind of emphasized it. How many times did he say I? Covetousness. Greedy is another word for covetousness. It's craving what you don't have, and it's always wanting more. This story that Jesus told, this parable, is about investing poorly in life. The man appears to be successful. He's rich. This man hit the mega millions farmer's lottery. But Jesus, God himself says, this man was a fool. A Family inheritance issue prompts Jesus to tell this story and the man, you're an expert in the law, he called Jesus rabbi or teacher. He wanted Jesus to fix it we don't know the whole story here Jesus doesn't tell us the situation Luke doesn't but the person wanted more of more of the inheritance it seems he wanted Jesus to rule in his favor the other party or whoever other family members weren't there so there was only one side of the story being heard and you know what Jesus response is man and it wasn't cordial What do you want from me I didn't come here to to litigate about property I came to bring better eternal wealth to the world I came to bring people to meet God I didn't come to give property to people Jesus cares about justice he could have arbitrated but he was addressing the deadly soul disease of greed are you a greedy person You know it's really easy for me to see it in you but we have a hard time seeing it in ourselves so Jesus is confronting us about greediness in this man's life that was asking him to negotiate he's talking to the crowds he's talking to his disciples and he's talking to us am I greedy Whenever you come upon this parable, don't forget to ask the personal question. Jesus is talking to me, to us. The main issue wasn't wealth, but this man's attitude toward it. He had a fruitful harvest. That's not a sin. Successful business is not a sin. But he never thought about who provided the abundance he never gave, never gave thanks to God there was no thought of helping others who providentially didn't have such a great harvest he was living the American dream the bigger and the better he was greedy he was self-centered he was rich toward himself but poor toward what was important to God strong words from God for us to ponder in Ephesians 5 the Apostle Paul says that greediness or covetousness is idolatry so in other words you're craving you're worshiping something else besides the true God and Creator Timothy Paul was talking to Timothy or writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 he said this As for the rich in this present world, in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or not to be proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I won't take time to turn there today, but in James chapter 5, the references on the board, if you're taking notes, you might want to make sure you write it down. James starts out with, woe to you rich people. I thought all rich people were happy. Why would he say, whoa, he said, because you're only going to have it now if you don't believe or believe in God or not rich toward God, your future is going to be terrible. So what does God want us to do with the material blessings we receive from his hand? Take a cue from the Old Testament. When Israelites harvested their fields, they weren't, they were to, to leave some in the corners. They weren't to go through a second time and pick up all the extras that were left behind. Why? Because they were to trust God to provide for them so that poor people, not as fortunate people, those who were on the down and out at the moment, could come through those fields and pick up extra. So when you get extra, open up your hands and say, God why did you give me that raise? I know I want this and I need that. My wife wants this and my kids need that. And I'd like to, yeah, that's okay. That's a blessing, but open up our hands and say, God, what would you have me do with this? God addresses a man in really practical worldly language. You have lots of plans, but you're going to die tonight. You stored up all those things in your big barns, but who's going to get it when you die? They'll probably waste it. They'll gamble it away. They'll lose it in a bad business deal. All these plans. And here's the harsh truth. Your full barns are worthless in the next life. The harsh truth is you are a fool. You were rich toward yourself, but poor toward the things of God. Don't be greedy. Do be rich toward God. How do you go about being rich toward God? Well, just ask yourself a simple question. How were you rich toward yourself this week? Anybody have a dark chocolate stash somewhere? Special treat? Watched football all day yesterday? You needed the break? What did you do? to be rich toward yourself. Parents, grandparents, uncles and aunts. How are, you, how are you rich toward your kids, your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews? What do you do for your friends just because they're special? You're rich toward them. You think about them. You know what they need and what they want and what would be a great blessing to them, so you give it to them. You go out of your way to be rich toward them. Well, by the way, being rich toward ourselves is generally not a problem. That comes pretty naturally. Being rich toward God means we are thinking and then doing what pleases God. We're rich toward God. We're obeying his commands. We know his commands enough to obey his commands. We love what he loves. We're walking in a relationship with Christ, growing in that. That's what it means to be rich toward God. I love 2 Corinthians 8 9 for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich I have another reference up there in the screen Philippians 2 3 through 3 through 5 famous passage where it talks about Christ's attitude same theme he was rich he was God but he left heaven and became poor for us he didn't grasp onto it he let the glories of heaven go so that we could be rich do you know the story of Nabal first Samuel chapter 25 I think I believe I preached on that here some time ago Nabal do you know what that name means I don't know what his parents were thinking it means fool i don 't know if he spent his whole life trying to prove that he wasn 't a fool. I just don 't know. or did he earn that name? But we read about Nabor. And there was a man in Ma- Maon whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. Now David sent some men to Nabal because David had been around Nabal. And he had protected his sheep, and none of his men ever stole any of the sheep, but they actually protected his herds for nothing. They were just doing that, they were living near that. So David sent some men to talk to Nabal, and he said, "Let, uh, Let us find favor in your eyes. You've come, it's a feast day. He's sharing a sheep. He's had a great, he was rich and he's, he's making money. Please give us whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. And when David's young men came, they said to Nabal in the name of David what they, want, what they wanted and they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, who's David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come? For I do not know from where I do not know. I do not know from where. So Nabal had no clue who David was, that he was God's anointed and he was keeping things for himself. His wife, Abigail, was different. She understood who David was. Please forgive the trespasses of your servant, speaking of her husband, Nabal, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord, that is you, David, a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil shall not be found in you as long as you shall live. Nabal was a fool. He was like the man in the parable who was not rich toward God but just rich toward himself. Abigail, on the other hand, was rich toward God because she understood how God worked, who God's anointed servant was at that time, David, a picture, a foreshadowing of Christ, and she submitted to his leadership, was rich toward him and gave him what he needed. There's other rich toward God stories. The widow in Zarephath. Elijah had prayed there was a famine Elijah went to her and said give me some bread <laughs> she had one meal left and Elijah said prepare food for me first and God will provide and she did she learned that God would take care of her she was rich toward God Jesus spoke about the widow in the temple and Luke Chapter 21, we read about how she gave two copper pennies. She gave everything she had, more than anyone else who had put more money in the offering. And Jesus said she gave more than everyone. She was being rich toward God. How could she give away all she had? Because she believed God. She loved God. She trusted God. Are you rich toward God? How would you grade yourself? It starts with how much you love God. And the more you love God, like you love your children or your wife or your friends, the more you will do for God. Think about God. Know what God wants and be busy with it. Can I just mention the Grace Chapel budget? It's in your bulletin. Here's what I'm asking you of you, not to give more. but to give happily, to give joyfully, whatever you can, like the widow, because you believe God, you trust God, and you love God. And God will take the gifts that are given in love and multiply them to meet the needs of his ministry and what he wants to do. Giving happily because Jesus became poor so I could be rich. That's a wise investment. Don't be greedy. Open up our hands and let God lead us to invest in his kingdom cheerfully. It's not the amount that we give, it's how we give. In our love and care for God the do's and don'ts of wise investing don't be greedy don't be enabled do be rich toward God be like those ladies that we just mentioned Abigail and the two widows great examples of being rich toward God wise investing don't be anxious because God cares Let me just read a few verses. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are, they, are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. Why did I stop there you'll see so Jesus directs these words toward his disciples he's just given a lesson about not being greedy but being rich toward God and then it says he turned to his disciples he's looking them in the eye hmm one of those face-to-face experiences one day we might get to experience I hope very soon Greed and selfishness and anxiousness are really closely related. Greed. You can never get enough. Are you anxious? Because you're worrying you don't have enough. And God says. You don't need to worry. I will take care of you these are parables from nature that give us lesser to greater comparisons are you a follower of Christ if you say yes this morning then pay attention Jesus is emphatic here trust God more get detached from things as your security Don't worry about your life, food and clothes. We need these things. God promises to provide them. God provides us with work. So if you can work and you need something and you're able to work to find good employment, seek that out. And in those moments when you're not able to provide, we are to provide for one another in the family of God to help one another until we can take care of ourselves. Jesus says consider the ravens you know what ravens are they're kind of like our crows have you ever had to eat crow don't eat crow literally or figuratively that's a food issue crows or ravens were unclean birds in God's dietary regulations for the Israelites so if God takes care of unclean birds Do you think he'll take care of you? You're more important. Don't be anxious. Consider all that you can't do. You can't add an inch to your height. Hey, I always wanted to be about 6'3", 205, and I was going to be an all-star NFL wide receiver. I didn't make it. We can't add an inch to our height or an hour to our life. All those issues are way beyond us. Even our clothes and our food are way beyond us if God does not provide the work we need, the harvest that we need, It comes from his hands God promises he'll take care of us consider the lilies well that's a clothing issue God dresses them beautifully flowers come and go people are more important Christian God promises to take care of you he sees he knows don't be anxious I love what Jesus says in verse 28. "O ye, or let me put it in English, o, modern English, O you of little faith. He knows us so well. We don't have that much faith, do we? But he promises to be faithful to those who look to him. So how can I be different than all those unbelieving people that chase after this stuff, that believe clothes and money and and a great retirement plan is all that matters? How are we going to live differently than that? We can be different by trusting what God tells us, number one, by listening to Jesus, by showing our dependence on God, by asking him to provide, by being generous, by opening up our hands when God blazes it on our hearts to help people in relationships that we know so that God is given glory the widow gave all she had at the temple it's a picture of what we are to do look at verse 32 fear not little flock he's talking to us for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom (laughs) what are you going to do if you tend toward greediness what are you going to do if you tend toward anxiousness you got to believe what jesus says Oh, you people of little faith, we believe, Lord, help us to believe more. Don't be greedy, be rich toward God. Don't be anxious, believe Jesus, God cares for you. And do invest in the kingdom of God. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So seek God's kingdom. Of all the things we need, yes, I need food and clothes. Thank you for giving. Thank you for trusting me to serve you here and to give you the word of God. I can eat and eat well because of your gifts. God gives that to us. It's a wonderful thing. Be rich toward God by allowing your mind and your heart to be transformed by his power. You used to be a thief. Now that you're a follower of Christ, you need to work and to be generous so that those who have needs, you can give to them because you're earning a living. That's transformation. One example of it. Don't be afraid. God knows what you need for life. You possess everything God owns as his child. You are rich. Does Jesus really mean to sell everything you have? Does that sound crazy to you? Raise your hand if that sounds crazy to you. That's crazy. But Jesus is being hy- using hyperbole. He's exaggerating to make his point. Do you trust God? God enough to surrender all you have and believe he will care for you. What do we say? The people in Judah, the exiles who had come back from captivity, had been living in the land for centuries now. And they didn't believe that it was worth trusting God. Here's what Malachi said. Will you, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What do you say? Would you dare Just let go a little bit more and trust God as he leads and guides you. Don't be greedy. Be rich toward God. Don't be anxious. God cares for you. You own the kingdom of God. You can give everything away and there's always more to come. As we prepare to take communion, think about your faith and the God you love and serve him well. Let's pray together. Lord God, take your word. Examine our hearts and show us how much we need to depend on you. Increase our faith, Lord. We ask you to do this in the name of Christ. Amen.